Welcome to the Kevin and Philip Project, a podcast with two guys who love to eat, travel, talk sports, and have no idea how to raise teenage girls. Coming to you live from Salina, Kansas. Here are your hosts, Kevin and Philip. go season three episode eight uh it's been Man, a while haven't seen you yeah, haven't it's even been seen a while you. it's been a while so i am going to take most of the responsibility for our lack of podcasts over the past two months um it's mostly my fault we had a couple of trips i took a trip phil took a trip obviously had the the holidays in between there had a good friend pass away mid-december um so that took some of my time as well but uh, here we are, back for uh, 2022. Hopefully, 2022 is going to be better than 2021. Can it you be know, worse? I thought we ended rough on 2020, kind of ended in a rough note that year with the kids, you know, in school and what was going on then. I don't know that a great follow-up year happened. It, was <laughs> it a, did not. It was a tough, for tough year for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, even even in the employment game that I'm in, yeah. I truly think it's got worse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just – it's. Uh, we can't find people that want jobs, people that want jobs switch. I, I read a thing the other day that gave a number of people that that just quit their jobs in November, and it was in the multi-millions, like 4 million Americans I just, just quit their yep. jobs. Yep. And, then, and, you know, the thing that's going around is the great re- the America's great resignation. It's the truth. I mean, people have just – I don't know how they survive. I we, we say this to each other every day. How do people survive and not work? But it's – it's it's um, it affects everyone. It affects my business. It affects businesses in town. It affects yep. restaurants, and it's it's a very frustrating thing that America's going to have to get out of quickly, I think. Well, it was just like when we wanted to get together over the holidays for dinner. Mm-hmm. Your wife when, was trying to plan some dinner with us and some other friends, and we were going to do it on a Sunday because that's what was easiest for everybody, and we couldn't find a damn place in town that was nope. open on a Sunday. Nope. Can't even find a place that's so. open. It, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned and around that. the holidays, that's their busy time. Oh, you think? usually, yeah, yeah usually yeah, just killing think. it. And yeah. now with the lack of support help, um, it just I mean, and I know it affects everyone. And everybody out there listening probably knows exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned the unemployment thing because I was just watching a over lunch today. I was watching a, a show that I usually watch called Power Lunch. Just a lot of stock market stuff and. You know, they have the unemployment rate, which is the percentage of adults that are not employed. You know, filing, still filing correct. for unemployment, which is what's what's interesting to me is you mention how people have been quitting their jobs. All these places are having problems with being able to find help, so they're reducing their hours and whatever they need to do to try to get by. I was listening to a guy talking about that. He said sometimes that unemployment rate can be an interesting number because not everybody is going to work all the time. So there's how they look at full employment doesn't mean 100% of the individuals are working. It's how many people they think will work, and then of those, what percentage is working. He's talking about how he thinks we're at full employment right now, unfortunately, with the way our society is today. 
Correct. And, and so, I think that which that, means this isn't going to change. Right. That, which means there's not a lot of people out there looking. They've just chose not to Correct. work. Now, the only way it's going to change is it's going to take some quit giving handouts. That's 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 the beginning of it. Beginning and end. I think the handouts have to stop. And a, a country, any any or a person, just a person, an individual that's not working to me has got to not have the same quality of life or feel like that they're contributing to society the way a normal person Correct. would in the past you know you, yeah. you would think well i just want to work because you know there's a lot of retired people that will come in maybe the retired military that will come into my office and just say hey i'm retired but i just have to be working right that's not a mentality that is in a lot of americans right now yeah, yeah absolutely that's correct so it's it's definitely changed for sure but uh, so that that's one thing now some another thing that's happened you mentioned that you had a good friend pass away over the over the month and and he was a, a great listener of ours well, um, it's a very so low was, listener. yeah so he gave uh, us a lot of if you ever heard me uh, mention todd that's who we're talking about gave us a lot of ideas <laughs> Always yep. listen to the podcast, so definitely going to mention Always that. told me I sounded a little bit too country for him. Or, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's and, and then during this time, I don't know if you were affected by this or not, but did the 100-mile-an-hour winds affect you in any way around your house? Um, no, I would say I wasn't affected. I mean, we didn't lose power, didn't have any damage. I noticed like your that, fences so. down here to the east of you. Yeah, that was from the summer, though. That Okay, wasn't. so that's prior to. Yep. I lost my entire back fence uh, around my pool, so it's it's. Uh, I don't know if I can get in trouble from the city or not, but right now it's not fenced in as it should be. Uh, there's not much I can do I about it. Say, you can't do anything about it. My wait list is about two months for uh, for getting the fence fixed. I uh, I ended up having to do all of the tearing it down, hauling it off, and all that myself because there, like we were saying, there isn't people who want to do it or can do it, or they're so far behind that. You just better do a lot of these things yourself. Yep. Um, so uh, that's the only thing that really happened to me on the wind was the fence went down. I know around town there was a lot of power out for a couple of days. A lot of – if you you people that aren't from Salina may not have known or heard about this as much, but in the, in the the during this storm we were the second fastest winds in the state of Kansas. It's clocked in downtown – and I think my house probably had them too. We just don't have a clock. But downtown was a hundred mile an hour winds. Yep. I would assume we had hundred mile an hour winds, and it's spooky. It was a spooky deal to look outside and not be able to see yeah, across I've, the street. I've never seen a brownout before. No, nope. I mean, I've been nope, in a whiteout with snow before. But uh, you know, I have a weather station um, that's connected to the, my fence in my backyard, and it sends it's wireless, and it sends a signal every ten or fifteen seconds or so from the outdoor unit to my screen inside so I can see temperature, wind speed, all kinds of stuff, humidity, dew points, all that kind of stuff. And it, for probably about 12 minutes, sustained over 80-mile-an-hour winds. Yep, yep. So every signal, that every will, that came in was over 80. That will take down a 15-year-old yep. freestanding fence. Yep. And I'm telling you, it snapped my posts at the grounds what it did on yep. mine. Um now, outside of the winds, the other things that's gone on since we last talked has been a month ago. You went to California. I did. And how did what what happened in California, or how did you <laughs> how did your trip go? We haven't even talked about it ourselves, no. but um, it was a good trip. So we had some friends uh, that ran the half marathon from Napa to Sonoma. So flew into to San Francisco, went up to Wine Country for three days. I think it was three or four days, and then. Been a day in San Francisco before we came back, so 
had a good time. It was interesting. Um, I, I did learn, you know how you know y'all have kids? Yeah. When you go on vacation and you go to San Francisco, all the tourist stuff to do in San Francisco, the first thing we had to go to, well, this depends on your generation, but you could either call it the Full House House yeah. or the Fuller House House. Is it the same house now in the new show? So, yeah, the, the same, same picture same on neighborhood. the outside. Yep. Yep. So we had to uh, drive by there with all our kids on FaceTime so they could see it. They were all pretty excited about that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we did the usual, uh, you know, we did a limo, took did some wine tastings. We did the, the usual San Francisco stuff because I've actually been to San Francisco a few times. Yep. But I've never actually gone around and, and uh, done like a tourist thing. I mean, I, I saw the Golden Gate Bridge and all that, but... Uh, you know, we so we did that. We went drove down Lombard Street, that street that zigzags back and forth. So I I drove down that in a full size expedition. That was fun. Um, went to Fisherman's Wharf, ate there, watched the seals. We did a hike through Redwood Forest one day. So how how were you treated at Fisherman's Wharf as far as the vaccinations? Is it it's true what they say in California? It is true. So when we went into the restaurant for lunch. They first thing they asked us was for proof of vaccination, okay. which some of us did not have that. And so they would not allow us to eat indoors. So they had a outdoor area right by the front that was open air. I mean, it had walls around three sides, but it was open on one side. But in Fisherman's Wharf, a lot of the restaurants are that way. Yes, right. correct. So, yep. So there was about four or five tables at this restaurant that were outside or considered outside. Here's what what I found funny about this, um, and and we can get into some some common sense COVID stuff here a little bit later. But so they they told us we couldn't go inside and eat, so we had to eat outdoors. So they could have put us inside in a booth in a corner away from people. It was definitely not full inside the restaurant. And just kind of kept us away from everybody since we were such a danger to, to everybody's health. Yeah. But where did they put us? Right by the damn door where everybody that was waiting for tables congregated and stood around <laughs> our table. And then every single person that walked in the restaurant or out of the restaurant walked right by our table. Literally close enough they would run into us. So... Had you been eating inside, you wouldn't have not been wearing a mask anyway. Had you were sitting outside, you're not wearing a mask. There, I'll get into <laughs> a little bit of my trip in a minute, but while we're while we're sitting in a restaurant, and this show's supposed to be a little bit about this, what was your food like? Um, so we've talked about a restaurant in Sonoma that was the one that got me. First time I had had fresh pasta and got me really into Italian food. Yeah. So I talked to the whole group. We got we got in late because of some flight delays. And so we ended up going to Sonoma and eating at that same restaurant again on our first Still meal. as good. Still as good as it was before. And so what time I think we spent Sonoma, about three the Napa hours. Valley area? Yes. Okay. So yeah, we we uh we had three nights of, of dinners up there. All of them were good. Um I will I'll tell you one quick story. I've got if you see that card sitting over there on my desk, it says La Pascal's. Yeah. So we were staying in a, a VRBO in this little town called Glen Ellen, which is just north of Sonoma. And everybody told us, go to this little French place for coffee in the morning. So the first morning we were there, we went there, got some food, got some coffee. Okay, at this place. At this place. Did you get show your card or nope, ask nope, anything? No, they did. 
they asked do you wear a mask inside. we're gonna take we're gonna it. we're gonna spin all the way back around to this in yep. just a minute but i just want to yep. i want to get indicators yep. on no, what happened they, at uh, one place or the next they asked us to wear masks but no proof of vaccine but everybody like everybody that. that walked in the door they asked to wear a mask every every correct while I, you're I think it okay. was i think it was the the proof of vaccination i think is san francisco city only. city ordinance okay so we went to this place absolutely amazing food amazing coffee when i go on a trip i very rarely if ever go back to a same restaurant that i've already been to on the yeah. trip because i want to be able to try everything else this place was so good we went there every <laughs> single morning for breakfast and if i was there another five days i would have went back there every day huh and is it busy it busy was always time? busy. Jacob and I were talking about how much we think it was going to take to offer this lady for her to just move back to Salina and come back with <laughs> us. So uh, very French. Uh, the The lady was French. She did not speak much English. But the food, the pastries, the last day we were there, we went up three different times for food. Like we just kept getting in line and going to get more because it was so good. and We knew it was going to be our last day. So I'll post the link on the Facebook page of that place. So if, if anybody's in the area wants to try it out, uh, it was absolutely amazing. So did you have any seafood at all? Yeah, just in Fisherman's Wharf. Just in Fisherman's I mean, Wharf. every restaurant we went to had seafood options. It, so. it, it seemed to me eating in Fisherman's Wharf is almost like um, a, eating in a tourist trap. Yeah, in a way, it, it's it, nothing special. I've never been there before. It's pretty. And it was not what I expected. No, it was a hundred percent touristy. There was. Yep. I mean, I, I can see it back in the day with all the fishermen coming in and, you know, having fish but it's markets. But it's that not now. that There's no. arcade, shopping. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all a, commercialized. It's definitely a and, tourist trap, so. and uh, and the sea lines laying out there on yep. the piers is pretty neat. And I, th I think you can see the Golden Gate Bridge from the back of that, can't uh, you? You can. We could you, not because it was really rainy that day. And you can day, see so. across. We took the day trip to Alcatraz, and, yeah. and out, of, out of that area we went over to Alcatraz. But uh, I didn't think the fish, the food there was phenomenal. Yeah. I went up the coast by the Mere Woods once, and me and Lisa stayed in a place, um, and it was basically in a cove that had great local seafood yeah. dishes. No, my opinion was that was the worst meal we had on the right. trip. Right, I, I would, think so I would too. say outside of get outside the of salad at the airport or something like that. But so yeah, so you also went on a trip. Tell us about your trip a little bit here. Over well, we spent. Uh, it's a lot more fun than, or a lot better destination than mine. Yes. Well, uh, you know what? I would, I would, uh, I like going to a lot of different places, but this place, Puerto Rico, is where we went. I would return again and again and again to Puerto Rico. Um, Spirit is now going to start doing a flight out of Kansas City for like 98 bucks, something wow. like that. So um, now, true, you know, maybe not right now. And we were there during the holidays and stayed in Old San Juan, which, Last time I was there, I stayed in a resort um, in just in San Juan, probably five miles from Old San Juan. But we decided to stay in Old San Juan, not knowing that they really party in Old San Juan. <laughs> and I mean really party. All night long, um, the roads are super narrow. Every road is a one-way street. It's a Spanish, you know, yep. Spanish built yep. it. And uh, the old colorful buildings, just like you're, you know, just like you're in, in, in Spain or somewhere like that. And um, we stayed just above the main route of the parades, and they have local parades multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah. um, celebrating yeah. Christmas and Three Kings Day and that yeah. kind of stuff. So 
if you're a person who can't stand noise, can't don't want partying to the night away. I mean, they were partying at three o'clock in the morning every single night, and um, and of course our doors just open up to fresh air because it's right. very little air conditioning. So so there's not like a sound barrier. You just have thin doors, yep. you know that that open up to balcony outside. And I was on the we were on the second floor right above the parades, and I'm telling you it was a um, one week party. And all the cruise ships land in Old San Juan. Right. There were at least four cruise ships at all times, so thousands of people off the cruise ships every single day. Now, we enjoyed it, toured the Old San Juan a lot, but we did day trips almost every day. We went um, in the in the United States, and Puerto Rico being considered part of the United States, it's the only rainforest in in North in the North America, and the rainforest was awesome. We hiked up into the mountains to a rainforest and went to a natural. And of course, it's 82 83 degrees right. so perfect weather got to go swimming up in it and slide yep. down natural rocks uh, slides and um took a boat out for a day and went uh th- there's a coral reef on the western end around fajardo and and we uh the kids were able to go snorkeling for the first time ever and so that was really neat to them sticking you know the, the fish aren't as colorful as there are in some places but they were plentiful yep uh so something they'd never done was really cool and then I also did a trip to the uh, northern end of the island one day. The island's 90 miles long, and we saw basically every inch of the island in the three different trips that we took. And uh, three complete different biodiversity, you know. It's just, it, it's, um, I, I'll tell you a couple of things that I learned about Puerto Rico that I don't think I understood Hurricane Maria is one thing I certainly did not understand. Yep. I had no clue that they had no power for six months. Yeah. I had no clue that people were starving because there's no way to get food. They're not a self-sustaining island. Right. Three million people fed on very little land is right. agriculture. So almost every every bit of food comes out of Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, it's shipped there every day. Every car on the entire island has came from Jacksonville. The amount of new cars would be the, probably one of the more amazing things because everybody's car got wiped out in Maria. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's driving a brand new car. Uh, but but my thing was knowing how our media tells us things that they want us to know, I don't think we were informed one week after Hurricane Maria, they were saying it's bad. Two weeks after Hurricane Maria, they are saying it's bad. A month after it, I didn't hear anything. I didn't realize that five and six months in, they were still down there starving to death, didn't have food, no cell phone service, no way to talk to each other. And every single person that took us on our guide said, you can't imagine how bad it was. There, yeah. there were, and I didn't know that. I, I knew about the power and like the cell phone service because they, I mean, they talked a lot about where they were going to start. And obviously starting in the major cities, like yep. the middle of San Juan, and then kind of branching out from there. And some of those remote, smaller towns and things like that, you know, took, I think it was, I mean, I think it was months, years months, before yeah, they months. got power and, and fully restored to to infrastructure-wise to what they were doing before. So, And, of course, the crime rate went up oh, tremendously during that, that time. During that time yeah. I think they say that there was over a million people left the island, so the populations went down now. Now these these guys that are you know go into real estate and start trying to make money off real estate are in Puerto Rico now because things are so incredibly cheap and there's a lot of the houses you'll look at them you can tell they need work right but there's great great island or great houses on the beach 
hundred $150,000. Just the prices are unbelievable. And uh, and people are down there diving in right now, diving in deep. And everybody that we talk to goes, why don't you buy some VRBO houses? Everybody down here has Airbnbs, yep. and which would be a neat thing. But until another Hurricane Maria hits, and then you're in trouble. But anyway, it was a really nice trip. And I can tell you pretty much for sure, it's definitely a future destination again for me, but not staying in old San Juan. I would right. stay in the other. I didn't realize that there are cities since I toured the host. There's multiple cities that I drove through that are much bigger than Salina. Um, I've always thought of Puerto Rico as San Juan, mm-hmm. but Lord, the Ponce is twice as big as Salina or three times as big as Salina and uh, Marjoral or whatever is about a five times as big as Salina. And there's just huge cities that, I didn't realize that, and I didn't realize the mountains were so big. All I'd ever been was just sitting on the beach, and then when we went up in the mountains, I mean, it can sometimes snow up in the mountains, which who would believe that? Yeah, in the, that close to the equator. It, yeah, that close, it, because yeah. they're so high up. But yeah. um, but it's, uh, it is one neat place, um, and very few people didn't speak English, although we ran into, you know, I was one night when we were coming home from – from ride we were getting a ride back and we had to stop at a gas station and uh the lady running the gas station spoke zero english but fortunately for me there was a guy standing in line behind me that was bilingual so did you feel safe the whole time the whole time never never one issue now where we stayed was right next to the governor's house on that i don't know if, if anybody's ever been to puerto rico they would know the umbrella street that's they they hang the umbrellas and it goes right down to the governor's house and they had a huge light show on the side of the governor's house at the end of the the alley there or the end of the street we were staying on that street and the uh, governor's security was always there we had to we had to ask them to get into our room every day like go go past so for us thousand percent safe and then when we were with the locals on the trips they didn't take us anywhere dangerous. I'm sure there's dangerous places, right. but hell, there was 22 shot in Chicago last well, I was weekend. Say there's dangerous places I'd, I'd to go rather, in Chicago. I would rather Dallas, go so. to San Juan than Chicago, yeah. ten to one. So tell us about the food. Okay, you one sound like you want really, to talk about something there. <laughs> no, one, okay. Here's here's what I was going to go into this. Um, every place that you go in San Juan. Their governor can set rules different, even though the president, you know, Joe Biden is still their president, but their governor can make some rules that are, and he's pretty strict. I mean, they're, they're have to show a vaccine to, when you get there on the airport, you have to either show a negative test within the last 48 hours or bring your proof of vaccine. And when you land in Puerto Rico, as soon as you get off the plane, and go down to get your luggage at right outside of where everybody picks up luggage are people dressed in space suits. And I am not kidding you. Full white suits, the hood over their mouths and everything like they're at a, like you would see in a, um, I don't know, like the Ebola people. Remember they right. had the yeah. Ebola virus. Just, so just people, wearing like a biohazard yeah. type of suit. Whole, yeah. So that's the first thing you see that's unusual. So what are those, what's, what are those people for? Every, you have to walk up to every one of those people and show them your vaccine card. Okay. That's all they do. Oh, they look at it, get on in. Okay. okay. Some of us didn't have the vaccine, so you had to show the positive within 48 right. hours. It's on their phone. Right. And so you show on your phone that, yeah, I tested uh, negative. Well, you put that in yourself. Right. 
a self-administered yep. test at home. So the truth of that is, you know, right. could be one and, way or the other. And in Who San knows? Francisco at that restaurant, I'm mm-hmm. telling you right now that all you did was hold it up and then you were done. I, I literally probably could have just taken a picture of somebody else's who just went through the line in front of me and showed her and she wouldn't even have known. Like, she okay. took like two seconds. Glad you brought it up. Every, most every, I'm not going to say every, because we went into several places off the beaten path that did not care. You just walk in and eat. They're just happy to have a customer. But in old San Juan, most places made you show, show your vaccine card. Well, one of the people that were with us didn't bring theirs with them, left it in the room just, just because I don't think you didn't, didn't think about it. But Lisa was carrying all the kids. Okay. So Lisa gave one of the kids to her brother. Okay. Her brother just flashed it as we walked right. in and just come good. on in. Yep. You're good. Yep. It was a girl's name. Nobody <laughs> nobody wants to enforce it. No, it it's if so it's, ridiculous. And, and, you know, I, I said that, but we went the last night when we were in San Francisco, a few of us went to a Thai restaurant there, and they didn't ask us for one at all, and we were in San Francisco. So nobody wants to enforce that no. stuff, you know. So they uh, want people to come there and eat, so they're not going to. Well, on Christmas Eve, I ate at a uh, rooftop um restaurant in in san juan itself not an old san juan up on probably a 15-story building really neat it was probably the best food we had the whole time is you know seafood and just the the whole thing i wouldn't say any place we ate was just something that i'd say boy i can't wait to go there again because we still ate a lot of um fried foods right whatever They, they they cook a lot of fried foods we ate fast a lot um you take four kids with you, and and um, you'll find out real quick you're not going to go eat at the uh, yeah. rooftop bar very many times yeah. because yeah. Uh, it's yeah. you know it's an expensive night out. So we ate. I mean, even the kids went went and ate at McDonald's and things like yeah. that. So um, I wouldn't say that food was my thing. My thing there is just the weather itself and the biodiversity of the of just the, the place itself because you get to see a little bit of everything yep well and i'll tell you one thing i did one more thing i've always heard about how great the caribbean's winter baseball is mm-hmm. so i went to a the puerto rico played another um, caribbean team okay. we went to the game really neat Really neat. Uh, not a huge crowd. I was hoping for a bigger crowd. There probably wasn't a thousand people there, and the place seat probably fifteen to twenty thousand. Uh, of course, it was the day after Christmas, so right. you wouldn't expect a huge crowd. But it was great baseball, great arms, great. Uh, the catcher for the Boston Red Sox was playing for the Puerto Rico team, and then there was. I mean, you read the roster, and you'll go. A lot of these guys. Uh, one of them had played for the Oklahoma City um, minor league team, the and uh, yeah, the Dodgers, and and. Um, most all of them were double and triple A guys. Some of them were out of the Mexican professional baseball league, but, but I'm telling you, it's a really good baseball cool. to spend a day at. Yep. No, I mean, I, I love going to those local sports. When we were in uh, Europe a few years ago, we went to, uh, when we were in, uh, what was it, Dundee? Yeah. We were in Scotland. Yeah. Um, Stuart took us to, because it was kind of his hometown soccer team, so yeah. we went to their stadium and watched a, a soccer match there um and it was eye-opening it was um i don't know if i've told the story on here before but it um you had to go into the gate that your ticket specified 
and you couldn't go. It's not like the United States where you go into any gate. You had to go into your gate. You had to sit in those seats in that section huh. because different sections were somewhere visiting, somewhere home. They had them fenced off, so you couldn't. Uh, but they fought in that. Oh yeah, crazy in most places, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulty with our sound, but we're back. I'm going to jump in and tell you one quick story on this. You know, we thought me and Heath walked over. We, me and Heath and and my. Uh, father-in-law doug walked over the girls went to the mall the biggest mall in the caribbean there the uh i can't speak in spanish but it's the the grand you know the grand mall of the caribbean and it was huge and totally packed i mean just day after christmas um thousands and thousands of people in it chickens in the parking lot but thousands and thousands of people in this beautiful mall probably three or four times the size of uh salina mall um but anyway, um, so we decided we're not going shopping while we're here. Let's just walk across the street and look at the baseball field. That's all we were wanting to do. Let's go over and see. Of course, people like um, the catcher for the Cardinals and, you know, Roberto Clemente played there. And yep. just lots and lots of guys that's come through there. Jorge Posada played there. Um, it's the home of the catcher. Lots and lots of lots and lots of catchers have come through there. But anyway, so we're just walking over to look at the field just to see what it looks like. Well, we walk up. And there's a bunch of cars there. So we say, well, it's only about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, let's just walk up to the gate and see if they'll just let us walk in and look at it. And the guy says, yeah, come on in. So we go in, and they're, they're taking batting practice and hitting and everything. And so uh, we're thinking they're just practicing. Well, later we ask, are you going to have a game? Oh, yeah, you're going to have a game at uh, 4 o'clock, doubleheader against whoever was coming in. And so uh, we said, well, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Let's just go back and watch it. So uh, anyway, we get there and it's it's you know it's baseball, so it's not a whole heck of a lot of different things yep. going on. Um, but one thing, there's a we get into the first inning and cheer, cheerleaders come out and do a dance and everything, a big dance and and uh, throw things up into the stands and everything and just, and you know dress skimpy, all that kind of stuff. And the fans all have music makers, cowbells and okay. wood sticks that they're banging yep. together. Um, and to hear it all in Spanish whenever they call people out and that kind of stuff from the announcer just made it kind of a neat sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the third inning, um, the pitcher from Puerto Rico got wild and um, hit a guy in the face. It just, I think, from best I could tell, because it sounded like it hit the helmet, you know. But, but once he fell on the ground and got back up, and then once he got up, he couldn't stay up. It, like it knocked, rang his bell real bad, cut his eye open pretty bad above his eyebrow. And uh, he is, you, we could, we were close enough because, like I said, there wasn't very many people that I, we could see him bleeding and everything. And both teams, maybe a, a team doctor or whatever, yeah. really not a team doctor, come running out. Well, there's no ambulance there, nothing like that, like you would see at a yep. game here. So. They finally whistle out to the. Um, they finally whistle out to the um, mascot sitting out in the right field corner by the bullpen in the right field corner, and the mascot's got a great big head on and kind of dressed like if you know the Philadelphia yeah fanatic, fanatic. yeah he's sort of dressed like that. He comes driving in on the golf cart to get the guy. As he comes in, as he's coming in, he literally is waving at the fans like he's just coming. So I've got pictures of it. I'll have to put for y'all. But he comes in and parks right on home plate, and they have to carry the guy and lay him on the cart. Yeah, whatever. 
and uh, <laughs> that the mascot. Oh driving. my god! It's, and so then the mascot drives him off to the to back to the right field corner to, to evidently somebody had to take him to the hospital. Right. He at this point you can tell he's bleeding pretty good. Um, but anyway, that that was the dancers and that was two things that I go. Well, that's a little different. I can yeah. see where maybe. Uh, and this is kind of like American Legion ball or something, yeah. except for guys are literally super talented. I mean, you yep. can just tell they the guys were throwing you know ninety plus yep. all the, every arm on the on the field, the, the just unbelievable. That's that's a kind of a neat experience. But anyway, back to uh, um, back to uh, your trip for a minute. We, yeah, we, you we, no. let's talk about flights for just one okay. second. You said you got delayed. Yes. Much. And now, during this time, you went week before Christmas, right? Uh, it was a couple weeks before Christmas. A couple weeks before Christmas. December, yeah. So, while we were gone, I noticed multiple, many, many Delta flights canceled, thousands and thousands across America. You said yours got delayed? or Yes. More than it long? Was mechanical, or? no. Okay. So, we had an issue, and we pulled out of Manhattan. We, we flew Manhattan to uh, Dallas to San Francisco on the way out, and then San Francisco to Chicago to Manhattan on the way back. Um, just got it loaded up that morning, early morning flight, 6 o'clock flight out of Manhattan. Backed off a gate, had a problem when they were doing their run-ups on the engines. Warning light yeah. came on, went back to uh, the terminal, got off the plane. They had a part on its way. Or they, they, they thought they knew what it was, but the contract, labor, person, mechanic. Yeah. Uh, apparently it was in Salina. So we did have to wait for him to get from Salina to Manhattan, but got there, fixed it pretty quick. We had to reschedule our flights because we were going to miss our layover. And we yeah. Only had a That's less the than fear hour, of all but, of it. But, but no, we made it. Instead, we were supposed to land in San Francisco at 1. I think we ended up landing at about 3.30, so it wasn't, wasn't too bad, but... Outside of that, we had no problem from a from a flight standpoint. Um, well, so. we had no no trouble going out. And now Kansas City didn't realize this many flights flew into Charlotte, but we flew Kansas City to Charlotte and then Charlotte on to mm -hmm. Puerto Rico. And Charlotte was a bigger airport than yep. what I had expected yep. it to be. I've never been to the Charlotte airport before. Really nice airport. Um, I think they're starting to do a lot more there because people definitely don't want to go to Atlanta. Yep. And then yep. Miami's a, I mean, it's a disgusting airport. Okay, but. here's what happens to us in Miami. On the way home, we go Puerto Rico, Miami, Miami to Kansas City. Supposed to fly out at 4 o'clock, so we go to the airport at 1. We have to check out of the VRBO at, uh, or the uh, Airbnb at noon. So we just said, well, let's just go on to the airport. Uh, who knows what kind of lines are going to be. It's Who knows what they're going to do with our right. vaccine cards anyway. So we get out there for the 4 o'clock flight at 3.30, they say it's been backed up till 9, hmm. which is a significant difference. Yeah. Um, now you're stuck in the airport for since 1 o'clock till 9. Well, OU's playing in the bowl game that night, so I can get it on my Hulu on my phone. So me and Lisa basically ended up watching the ball game setting just in the airport and um, pretty much by ourselves with us and the people fly, flying back to Kansas City. At 9 o'clock, almost all flights are gone out of our wing um, they keep delaying it, saying there's a the pilots flying in from somewhere else and will be here soon. Well, at 11 o'clock, they just make an announcement. The flight has been canceled. Oh, Everyone go to the deal. booking gate at gate right. 35. So there's right. 235 people in a dead yep. run. Lisa, fortunately, 
had been saying this is going to happen, so I'm going to go ahead and be looking for a flight for tomorrow. As soon as they said it's canceled, she had us booked for the next morning yep. at 9. The 200 other people that were standing in line, there was only two flights back to Kansas City the next day. I'm afraid that some of them would have been stuck there for a couple of days. Yep. I, so here I am thinking, why – why do airlines make you re- – there's a plane sitting there without a pilot. Why aren't we still going to just use that same plane when you have a pilot tomorrow that everybody can get on instead of right. rebooking and trying to crowd everybody into flights the next two or three days? It's, some things they do just don't make sense yeah. to me. Yeah, um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that, that all works, but it's uh, – you know, it's so funny because, like, if you're flying out of Manhattan, most of the people that are flying out of Manhattan – are connecting somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you might be, because the flights only go to Dallas or Chicago. Right. So you might, that might be your destination, but most people are probably connecting through one of those two somewhere else. We were towards the front of the plane, and so I told Kelly, I was like, because we had to gate check our suitcases, I said, you grab my suitcase, I'm going to go get in line, because I knew the line was going to get long fast. (laughs) So I was second in line, um, so I got up there pretty quick, and we got rebooked. But we are basically like, he's like, well, there's a flight later. It's not full from Dallas to San Francisco, so we'll just get you on there. There's a little more that happened than that. I won't go into it on this podcast. But all these people were, like, rebooking flights, and they're talking about having these really long layovers, and they still may make it, maybe not. They're rebooking flights. Some people are going to a different city now instead. Because there was another flight leaving Manhattan about 30 minutes later that was going to Chicago. So a lot of people ended up going to Chicago instead and then booked Chicago to wherever they were going. Right. All this work, and I was like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, you know, all these people were freaking out, and they went to Chicago instead when it literally took like an hour for them to fix right. their plane. So right. and now you still would have just got that many right. more miles so. to fly. But ours, yours, I, I was more concerned with getting a room because – the night that we were there, of course, there were a lot of Georgia fans showing up and a lot of Michigan fans showing up. I saw them all over the airport because of the Orange right. Bowl. And so I had fear at 11 o'clock at night, we're not going to get a hotel room. Or if we're you do, to it's going to be expensive. The, yeah. Well, yeah, she started looking at, fl- at places around. Yeah. And uh, it was five and $600 a night on every room. We fortunately found one near the airport um, that was decent, and all of us stayed in one room. The lady, The people never asked any questions about yep. it, but. But um, that's probably just the oh, that's just the fear of flying in today's age because of uh, the shortage of even just your support person, your support people like the gate keep, gate uh, ticket takers, the uh, flight attendants. Uh, we were say, they were telling us it's because of pilots, but I, I've seen yeah. multiple times that they just didn't even have flight attendants to do due to COVID or due to whatever. Or, and I think sometimes it's just a shortage, right? Uh, so flights are going to be affected from yep. from now on, probably. Yep. Well, we're going to have to move on to football. We're already running about forty minutes. We have. Oh my word! To, haven't even got into football. All right. So let's talk football. We about we, wore that last one out. So if you've been waiting to hear about anybody being upset about how the football season ended, <laughs> um, you, you, so we've caught some <laughs> flack because. Yep. yep. A shitload has happened in OU football since, and we, we never last even spoke. brought it up. Well, we haven't, well, we we haven't got we together haven't since together. it all went down. And you so. know, I'm going to tell you what would have happened had had we had an emergency podcast like we did the night that the, <laughs> the, case, K- the, the KU, K-U guys yeah. got in a fight. 
had uh, had we done something like that, you'd have probably heard me a lot more upset than yep. I am today. Well, just like when the Big Twelve, when OU in Texas, yep. left the Big Twelve, if we yep. would have recorded immediately, I would have been fired up. But yep. after I had a chance to sit down, so. So now after everything is said and done and the things that I've heard come out about Lincoln Riley and the things that I've heard come out about Brent Venables, who's, of course, everybody knows now is the new coach. It's a lot I of think boy. Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma people are going to love Brent Venables. I mean, I, th- they already well, apparently do and did in the past. Loved him for 10 years. Well, they, uh, but they, I mean – he caught some flack before he left. I mean, well, in the last couple of years, you saw what happened to his defenses, and it wasn't all his fault because Mike Stoops ended up getting a, yeah. essentially fired for it. Yeah, but I mean, he's a part of the championship team with yeah, us before, absolutely. and a part of a lot of Big Twelve championships with us before. And um, it, you know, you you listen to his story about how many opportunities he's had. Could have been at Auburn. Yeah. Potentially could have been at Tennessee, probably some out of the SEC. K-State, multiple times. Yep. Um, and so here's a guy who sat and thought to him, probably thought to himself, because, I mean, if he didn't think Oklahoma wasn't a fit, he's not the kind of guy that's just going to take it because it's the next thing offered. Right. He was evidently waiting, and this must have been what he felt like was a fit. Well, I think it's good timing because I think, you know, with his kids being done with football now yep. too and that sort of thing there at Clemson, that I think that I think it's good timing on his part. So let me ask you this question real quick, and then I, I, would, I would be interested in hearing some of those stories. Um, do you think Brent Venables was the first and or only? I do think so at this point. You know, there was a, Barry Switzer was dying for Mike Leach. I am not as big. I like Mike Leach podcasts. I like Mike Leach interviews. I don't see that Mike Leach has ever been a champion at yeah. anything no, he's I ever done. I mean, he's he's a he hasn't had the resources though you would give no, him. but but he's also sixty something years correct. old now. I like. I mean, Brent's fifty one, maybe yeah. something like that. Um, I just I just don't. You know, Mike Leach is not always politically correct, which some ways you have to be anymore. Um, just the little things that that um, that now that's just Barry Switzer pushing for him, right? I think him and Switzer, but that's a pretty good guy to push for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think Stoops was pushing for Venables. Uh, you oh, can yeah, tell by the way the whole yeah. thing came down yeah. that he was that was the guy that he wanted. Um, I'm sure there were a couple others out there. I, I, mean, I would I tell you this because would, of the length of the search. If if Brent, if he was your number one and your go to and the guy you were looking for, that because it seemed like when Stoops first spoke that and and I was in o- Oklahoma at the time listening to sports talk because you and I were trading some texts and stuff while I was down there. It sounded initially like they had planned to wrap that up within a few days. Yeah, and then it went on for. A week or so? About a week I mean, is how long it took. So that's to get why I was hired. asking that question. I mean, not that you would ever know. No, and, but I, know, you but. know, I do think that if Beamer would have stuck around, Beamer could have been the coach or the next one in line had he stuck and not yep. left early, you know. Yep. Um, and he could have been a good one, too. There's a lot of good coaches out there. When you Here's the thing that you just continue to hear again and again and again, and this is just coming from the sports radio personalities. That's the people you would listen to, yep. the people that would know him the best outside of the system, um, is none of them like Lincoln Riley. A winner will make you keep your mouth shut. So as long as he was yep. winning. But now that he's gone, the first thing out of most of their mouths was he's the biggest narcissist that ever lived. He wants to be in control of everything. There was no – he would never give us a straight answer. Um, 
you know, Al Ashbeck's been around OU football since the early 70s, kind of was the voice. Years ago, he was our basketball voice, but he's, he was kind of the founder of sports radio in Oklahoma. Um, and he, he's dealt with people all these years. And he says, he says a story, he goes, success and money never changed Barry Switzer. He was Barry Switzer the day he got hired. He's Barry Switzer the day he left. And then he goes down the line, and he goes, these guys never change. Bob Stoops come in, a young guy. His personality and attitude never changed towards anybody. He was the exact same guy. They go, this minute Lincoln Riley became head coach, he flipped and become narcissist of everything. Um, and then and then the the fact that Lincoln Riley, he has a, a you know game day show or the day after a game, a show with yep. Dean Blevins, who is an XOU quarterback, been you know news nine down there in oklahoma city he's been in their sportscaster for years and he's been big part of oklahoma football being he's an ex-quarterback lincoln riley basically stood him up for his show never even called him and said i'm not coming or anything and he goes i've been doing this since the 70s i've never had a coach just stand yeah. me up i mean he just left in such a way that he just burnt bridges everywhere he went and uh There'll never be a Lincoln Riley day at Oklahoma Gaylord Stadium. Oh, I will no. promise you no, that. No, no care how many championships in the Big 12 that he won. He is not a very well-liked no. guy. He's He basically, I, I don't know, he just lied to everybody in, in a sense. I, I, just, I don't blame him for leaving. Good. Good. Go. There's <laughs> here's, here's my thing, and, and I don't know if you know the answer to this question or not. Things were going good. With Riley until they weren't going good. Yep, and it like flipped a switch. Well, winning keeps everybody. No, happy. absolutely. I get, but you, I mean, yeah, it was a down year compared to previous years, and the fact that yep. OU wasn't playing for a, a conference championship. I mean, the loss to Oklahoma State obviously knocked him out of all of that, and and uh, but that's one game, one season. Like, there's with. The talent and everything you had coming back, you were going to be right there again next year. So I, I know that it's come out, and he talked to us, or he had been talking to some people for some time since the bye week, and he started acting cagey and all this kind of stuff. And, and people and started promising, I am not on. going to LSU. I am right. not going to LSU. My question is this. To me, something changed this season that caused him to all of a sudden – be exploring other opportunities, whatever it may be. Oh, I can tell you exactly what well, it is. He don't want to play in the SEC. That's exactly where I'm going with that is. Yeah. Did he's he not soft. know? He's too soft did of a he coach. know but didn't want to do he it? He don't want to deal with it. So. How, what would you rather deal with? No. Or Pac-12 with easy, only Oregon? It's easy, an easy road for him now. Easy road. As long I, as he can recruit. and understand as long as he can 100%. recruit. And I'm going to tell you something. They call him the quarterback whisperer. That's what they've tried to give him credit for. And um, – he only recruited two quarterbacks himself, and one of them is Spencer Rattler, who he hung his yeah. – and five, four games in, the OU fans were chanting, we want Caleb. Um, I don't know what you think of Caleb Williams. I don't see him as the next great hope of Oklahoma football. He didn't – he had a good game against Texas in game five – we potentially could have lost to Kansas with him as our quarterback. Yes. I mean, there's he well, was not people were did not for Rattler a, again at the end of the season. So yeah, it's, he's not a. I'm not saying he had the tools. I'm not saying he couldn't become a good quarterback. Right, he was not what he not got made out to be. The, like a Jalen Hurts or no. Kyler Murray. When those guys came to OU, 
they were way better than Caleb. And Williams, they were already they developed. Weren't freshmen, right? That's what I was right. going to say. So I'm not saying he couldn't have, but it was it was going to be a road. Well, you so. do, you don't give me. You could have gave me Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, and and me be their coach and just say, boys, go get it. Yep. It make me look like a great coach. Well, I'll tell I've you, told you that many times before. I'll tell you, great this. players make great coaches. I, as a fan of another Big Twelve team, I very much am excited about facing Brent Venables and and Dylan Gabriel next year versus Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. You they didn't scare you very bad the last couple <laughs> years, did they? But I'm just I, I I don't know. I think I think our defense will be. Vin- naturally will become better. I would agree. Without, and I think yeah. that the speed defense that we play in the Big 12 would not fit the SEC's type of defense, and they would have. But you're going you, to SEC. you got to figure it out. I mean, Well, that's why I think this new coach is a better deal. Got our strength coach back, Bidenbo, who was there during yep. all the championship games. Got some guys. I saw today they hired hired back uh, Phil Lowe on I the offensive that. line. Yep. Yep. Some, of the, some of the hires have just, to me, been wonderful. Um, I here, here's my thing with Venables, and and I somewhat follow his career because uh-huh. he's from Salina, obviously played and coached at K-State. You guys need all these Snyder guys to, to bring the program back is what I'm – Oh, I'm No, I'm sure. just kidding. No, I, to me, I, I feel like he's been ready. If he's going to do a head coaching job, he's been ready for some for a while. A few years, yeah. And you got to think when Lincoln Riley goes to OU at his age – that that job you have to expect that job's not opening up anytime soon. Yep. So probably a shocker to everybody, and he probably had to sit down with his everybody. I'm gonna tell you where one of the things that blows me away. You're gonna tell me that in a one morning call, Lincoln Rowley made this total decision, said he's no. never talked to USC no. before. That did no. you know he was doing? He took this week off some year, some weeks back, and they were saying he went to LSU. Right. He's been out recruiting California heavy. Yeah. When was the last time an Oklahoma coach recruited California? He got there and recruit California by himself. You gonna tell me he wasn't meeting yeah, or no, his he, agent or something? He this didn't thing make that has been going on hour. from and all of his buddies, and, the just Grinch and all them that says we're going with you. Right. Me and Lisa moved to Salina some sixteen years ago, and we prayed and thought about it for two months before we could even right. say, "Well, maybe we should do this." You do not make a life changing decision in four hours. Right. No one no, does. No. No, it and and that just made it worse. I mean, the I'm not saying that that anybody ever tells the truth in that scenario. You're still trying to be politically correct uh-huh. and all that, but like the stuff he was saying was just completely ludicrous. Like nobody believes any of that stuff no. that he was saying. So no, even Bob Stoops himself said, "Hey, he may not have been talking to him, but he had people talking to him." I mean, he said he no. didn't call him a liar, yeah. but he didn't say he's telling no, the truth. I mean, I, I think it's pretty pretty evident that OU fans are happy with the hire. I think everybody likes him more than than Lincoln Riley. Um, my my assumption would be, I would guess most OU fans probably are wanting to stick in the Big Twelve now just a little bit longer. To I, they, you know what? I think us and Texas both. Yeah. Because Texas is in that same situation. Yeah. Texas don't want to go to the SEC yeah. right now. Right. They sucked in the Big Twelve. So. You, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you a little story about. We would get into this transfer portal things where you're thinking you're going to get a transfer yeah. quarterback. I, I oh, we see got him. You, so he's <laughs> so okay. Last year in the Big Twelve, did you know that? Um, in the Big 12, now I'm going to go around the country, and you go, the transfer portal giveth and taketh away. The quarterback is the one that everybody talks about right. or worries about or whatever. Ever. It, either these, these people were either transferred or in the portal, were in the portal last year, 
and I'm going to go through the leagues, but the Big 12 was six out of ten the teams in the Big 12 either was playing a transfer quarterback or had a, tra- a quarterback in the transfer portal. You, only of the four teams who didn't have one in was K-State. You know why? Because scholar has been right. there for four years. You didn't Six need, years. You, yeah, he whatever, however long he's been there. Um, <laughs> OSU's one that's not yeah. got anybody in yeah, it. Spencer's and Spencer Sanders been there forever. Yeah. Baylor's not in it because of the same situation. And Iowa State with Brock, Brock Purdy. Right. I'll guarantee you all four of those teams will have somebody in the transfer portal or we, potentially you've got one now. We've got one. Well, yeah, we're already out of that. And OSU, one, so. I guarantee you, if OSU yeah. sees somebody better than what Spencer Sanders' backup is, yeah. they'll go get him. Yeah. Hell, they'd probably take Caleb Williams. Yeah. No, the, you, if you've got – I mean, but three of those four teams, I, I don't Baylor didn't, but the other three teams you're talking about have a – Fourth, fifth, or in case eight, sixth year starting quarterback. Right, and that's why they don't have. So that's correct, why they we don't. You don't have that need. So yet, you don't have so. the need. And what's interesting is that same number for the SEC is nine of the fourteen teams yeah. had to either somebody. But I'm what I say about the transfer portal. Hey, Caleb Williams can leave. Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner are both have already gone to South Carolina. Um, who knows what Caleb Williams will do? He's most likely going wh- wherever his dad can find the most money at, is what I would assume. Um, but all these OU fans on the OU pages are all mad. But they forget that Baker's a transfer, mm-hmm. Kyler is a transfer, Jalen's a transfer. Yep. So yep, and, and, and Tanner Mordecai starts at SMU, transferred, left right. us. Um, the kid at uh, the kid at TCU. Um, Oh, yeah. he he transferred down there. Chandler Morris, yep. the starter for TCU. Yep. So all those guys were on OU. He was in Arkansas, right? Before he went, yeah, Arkansas, so, Oklahoma to us. Right. So them. So so you're gonna these kids. We better just get used to it and not be mad about it. I read these yep. pages. Everybody gets mad, and you go, "It's just the way football's going to be now." Yep. No, if I, you don't have a good four year starter. I want to get back gone. to OU, but I will tell you this: I think. I don't agree with a lot of what Lane Kiffin said, but he made this comment a couple weeks ago, and he's 100% correct on this. With the combination of the transfer portal and the NIL, which the transfer portal I think initially was a short-term deal because people were getting stuck in some bad fits, yep. not being able to and go on recruiting trips. And, and there's always been the argument about, well, if a coach can leave, then why can't players right. leave, all that kind and of I stuff. And I believe in that. But you, they have created free agency yep. Complete in free college agency. football. Without any contracts like any other sport has, yep, it's it's it's, it's going to get ridiculous. Oh, I'm going to give you some numbers, ridiculous. and I'm not even going to tell you everybody. Out at out in the transfer portal right now at Oklahoma, um, some of them don't make any sense. Now, Pat Fields is one kid that was a uh, a safety force is a pretty good player. He's already graduated and got a scholarship to Stanford, so he's going to go play his last year at Stanford. He's doing it for education purposes. Right. He's never going to play in the pros. Good for him. Great, great move. Uh, Mario Williams is leaving. Theo Weiss, another two wide receivers. Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, Jaden Hazelwood went to Arkansas, and then Stogner and Rattler went to South. I mean, yeah, went to South Carolina. The other guys haven't made a decision yet. But then in return, we got Missouri's tied in back. I mean, it's not back. We got Missouri's tied in transferred in. Yep. The kid from UCF that read his numbers, he's yep. great. That Dylan. And then we got the, a big offensive lineman out of California. You, you lose, and you look at the players, and you go, "The ones you lost are probably no right. <laughs> no better yeah. or no worse than the ones you're getting." Yeah. Just you're just gonna say, 
you better like your uniform and take the names off the back of it <laughs> yeah. because it's, you're not going to be able to fall in love with the kids you can't, like you no, used to. There's no loyalty. I mean, it's, You better just love know. K-State Wildcats. Right. Who cares what the back of the well, name so says? So from K-State standpoint, as we talked about, landed Adrian Martinez. Hopefully you heard it from me first when I when I right. broke that news that there was a potential there. But uh, it, first off, if we would have lost that deal, then everybody who does any recruiting at K-State should have been fired. Because he was only looking at Cal and K-State. And his girlfriend's of like four or five years is going to K-State. So if we can't land that quarterback for yep. one year, and he fits perfectly with right with, with our you offense got. and what we were trying to do. Well, so. you can just have him turn around and hand to Deuce, and if Deuce runs like he did last night in the bowl game, yeah. well, you're in good shape. But from K-State's standpoint, um, so this season, so we had Timmy Horn, Russ Yeast, I got I love this nickname, the Sauce Boss, Reggie Stubblefield. <laughs> all three of those contributed on defense the entire season, so they were all transfer portal pickups this year. Yep. Um, on offense, we added tight end. Uh, they call him Bebe, Amater Bebe, whatever his last name is. And Julius Brins played quite a bit. I mean, we're talking. About, it's the same deal. I mean, I we had we just landed uh, you got a four star linebacker um, who played. At, he was just a freshman at, at Maryland. Was looking at Michigan, Michigan State, Arizona State, KU, Indiana, Miami, Missouri, North Carolina State, Oregon, South Carolina, UCF, and we just landed him. Yesterday. Well, I'm reading these schools to you. They're the kids that we know we're getting right now. One from UCF, and if you can come to Oklahoma, yeah. I, is not that not yeah. a step up? California, step up as an yep. offensive lineman. We put offensive yep. linemen in uh, Missouri. You understand Missouri and get smoked right now. I mean. The, and you know there's yeah. great – here's the thing that's going to probably drive coaches crazy and or make them have the most sleepless nights is every year is re-recruiting your top probably 15 to 20% oh, of absolutely. your team every yeah. year re-recruiting absolutely. him. Mad about one game yeah. or being suspended for a game and now you're mad at the coach. Well, I'll just transfer yeah. here. I'll just, that's what's going to ruin well, college and, and this is my concern. OU do, is, doesn't have this concern as much uh, – this is my concern as a K-State fan with the situation, how things are going right now, and that is, you've got a Deuce Vaughn. So KU's in the same boat. KU, K-State. We got to. We're not signing five and four star guys. These coaches have to go out and find these two, maybe a three star yep. guy, and develop them, keep them in the program because they're not going to pay get them to where they they. Deuce Vaughn's a perfect example of that. He was a two star guy. I don't think he had any other Division one offers other than K-State. Yep. I mean, he's a consensus All-American this year. A little Barry back. Sanders in him. So, Texas, University of Texas coaches cannot directly reach out to Deuce Vaughn unless he's in the transfer portal. Deuce Vaughn's from Round Rock, Texas. He's got friends playing on the University of Texas football team. What's going to keep a coach to go in this guy's, hey, I know you know Deuce up there in Manhattan. Why don't you uh, give him a shout, let him know we got to, you know, if he wants – interested in coming to texas we've got, we a, got a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah. in nil stuff we could get him you know and deuce i'm not worried about him because i think he's a pretty pretty loyal pretty good kid but there's a lot of players that'd be like absolutely let's yep. go so now we're putting all the work in to do the recruiting putting all the work to develop these yep. kids and they're going to go because we can't find they're going to go to dollars your... nil stuff in manhattan Kansas. the, the uh, there was we signed a kid last week um at oklahoma that and he's a texas kid but he said that his – he said, you know, outside – and you might have read it, that 
Texas's number one thing was what they could do in the NIL oh, in the recruiting process. That, yep. And he said, whenever Venables come in, the first thing was how are we going to develop you? And then, you know, everybody's got to bring up the NIL. You can't just leave it alone. Yep. But if you start leading with it, as deep as Texas pockets is, they should have every five star. They already have most I, of them. I, it's going to create more parity in college football. Oh, my God. I mean, the, 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 the rich ones and the good ones are going to keep getting better, and the schools like K-State, KU, those are – I mean, they don't – And like you said, you're, when you develop a great one, yep. your fear is they're, they're gone. gone their junior year, yeah. their yep. sophomore so, year, whatever. Well, there's one other comment I want to make about OU, and and this and I want to get to K-State for just a couple minutes, and then we'll, we'll be done with this podcast. But uh, I, I thought this was funny, and, and what, what I'm about to say is not Phil – I'm not talking about Phil. In fact, I'm not talking about anybody that I know, in case you're an OU fan and you know me. Actually, Tanner always asks me why I uh, why I get into these arguments with people on social media because they're crazy and they're not how most people believe. Yeah, if you get your news from social media, but, you're in. But that's fun. It's not fun to get into no, a, no. a social media argument with a sane person. Right, it's crazy yeah. people. So there were literally, literally people – OU fans that are getting pissy on the about the OU coaching staff getting poached as Lincoln Riley was going on and all that kind of stuff. They're calling him ethics violation. Isn't there some sort of ethics violation here going on? Okay, number one, try having your staff, and I'm still haven't give uh, forgiven for this. Try having your staff poached on the on the night before one of your biggest games and shot at a national title. Um, who takes that staff with him to OU and wins the national championship two years <laughs> later with him. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty funny. I'm like, That's as an I OU say. fan in this whole SEC thing, I'd probably keep my mouth shut when it comes to ethics violations. <laughs> you, you know what's the, the killer on the the fan pages? And, and we may have more crazy people than – Oh, no, we all got crazy. Uh, Alabama might lead the country in crazy people because – you heard you heard how he talked about Nick Saban probably yeah. going to win the national championship again anyway, and he talks to the fans like, "So you're now going to boo us because we're not winning by enough?" Yeah. When I came here, you were yeah. six and ten, uh, whatever the or whatever the record was. But anyway, they're, they're cra- they are crazy. Oh yeah. But our fans, I'll go in there almost every day, and they gripe and gripe and gripe about kids going into the transfer portal, and how horrible this kid is, while sitting there. Taking every kid Correct. we can get out of the transfer portal. You got a few from the transfer My portal word. that have, that I mean, have paid but off. I don't know so. how you can. I don't know how you can talk out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, those guys are not loyal. Well, the same ones that's coming yeah. from UCF must not have been loyal either. Yeah. But yeah, no, I get it. So, well, hey, just real quick, I know we're running short on time. I want to. I want to say uh, congrats to my boys for the bowl game last night. Um, you know, it's. I put this on Twitter. It's kind of funny, you know. First off, I will give props to LSU for actually playing the game, because they could have very easily canceled with all the situations they had going on. Blame it on COVID. We can't field a team. We're out, and be a coward like a UCLA. I mean, that's ridiculous, right there. Yep. What UCLA did to North Carolina State. It sure is. They yep. should have to pay for North Carolina's expenses to go out there. I mean, to to know you're not playing and then wait until three hours to let the other before the game to let the other team know, but. Anyway, props to LSU for actually playing the game because um, they could have easily canceled. But uh, what was interesting to me, I put this on Twitter last night, was that I get it. You you were out a lot of starters. K-State was out some starters too. We weren't 100%, but you were out a lot of starters. 
and you played mostly second string guys. I mean, I know quarterback is obviously a big position and to have a wide receiver playing quarterback, I get that's going to be tough. But if you would have asked anybody at ESPN at the beginning of the season and they would have told you the LSU second and third string players will be starting at K-State. Yep. That's so, the truth. That's not a, that's not an excuse. I I know the quarterback position was horrible and that sucked and you're not going to win the game with a guy who started playing quarterback two weeks ago. I get that. But uh, they're all get the entire game. They kept talking about how depleted LSU is and it's their second string. K-State's beating their second string. Well, at the beginning of the season, you guys would have told us their second string's better than our starters and would be starting at K-State. So, um, I want to go into one more gripe. How long are we in right now? An oh, hour? And what, five. What okay, here we go. There, there's a, uh, there's a thing that's going on in, in these bowl games that – You've talked about this before yourself, and I told Lisa that I heard you saying that they were doing games from in a basketball game from sports centers, Connecticut, oh, doing a yeah. game like they're doing yeah. it live. Well, OSU's bowl game um, the other day. Now, who did OSU play? They played somebody. Pre- uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. Prior to the game, the guys who are doing the game themselves mm-hmm. literally ha- do not know one thing about Oklahoma State or no, Notre Dame. No. They just stuck two yeah. guys in a box and said, yep. you guys take off. They didn't know their names. They didn't know anything about them. One of the first comments that the guy made right out of the box, he goes, well, you know Spencer Rattler. He, they're talking about their offense. And he goes, the one thing he's known for is he doesn't turn the ball over. Oh, Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders. Yeah. Spencer Sanders. He's good what for is the one, one turnover a quarter. <laughs> well, what's the one thing that they are frustrated him yeah. about? And he so I, I hollered at Lisa and said, come in here and listen to what this guy said. Rewound it. And I go, can you believe that he just said that? At, he has n- he has never even studied one, one point thing. Last night, I am not shitting you when I tell you this. If you didn't hear it, I don't know if you watched the game uh-uh. last night, but at one point the announcers made a comment during the game that K State jumped on Martinez since we play them every year and know who he is. They literally still thought Nebraska played in the Big Twelve. Oh my God! See, I just I think that they just stick two guys in there and say, just get to talking. That's what people are so dumb they won't even oh, know was, what you're talking about. It was so about. bad last night. They so Brian Kelly, they brought and I get it, Brian Kelly, big name, new coach. Yep. So they brought him on. They literally talked to him for like almost a half hour probably. It was probably like fifteen minutes. It seemed like a half he hour. He was a gap filler for him. At one point, K State had an interception and then took that ball and scored a touchdown with it a few plays later. Didn't even see any of it on the broadcast because all they kept doing is they just showed Brian Kelly up there talking to those two guys God. in the box. For like, yeah. I mean, it was probably, I bet it was half of a quarter almost that you didn't even see any of the plays on the field. They would they would show a, a, maybe a play real quick. They'd go up there and it'd be in the in the corner or whatever. Like, it was like He was more like important than the game yeah. was. It yeah. was so, which I I'll get it, ESPN the, and the SEC. And, I, and I can, I'll end this last thing and then I'll be done talking and hopefully you guys will come back and listen to us again in two weeks. But here's my last thing. You know how big money has got in NFL football, and I'm talking about the betting side of it. Probably a billion-dollar industry betting football. Would you say that if you're going to have that kind of money and the NFL is making cuts of that, Mm -hmm. that they have to get better referees? And I'm not going to be a complainer about it. I'm not going to very rarely blame the game on we lost because of a referee. Watching the Kansas City Chiefs game the other day, I truly would tell you that they wanted Cincinnati to win that ball game. I, I think, and I'm not the hugest Chiefs fan in the world. I'm just telling you, like, 
five chances I, to get a first down on the goal line and of plays that were just ridiculous after ridiculous. Even Joe Burrow says after the game, well, we got a lot of calls there at the end that went our way. There's no consistency in pass interference calls. There's no consistency in holding calls. There's no, And I think with the money tied up in gambling, you got to do something about better refs. It's interesting that you bring that up because one of the topics I have, and we don't need to talk about it more than 20 seconds here, but I don't, it's been a while, and I don't know if you heard or remember that the Texas Tech um, game here a few weeks ago against Iowa State when the Texas Tech radio guys got oh yeah got suspended, suspended yeah for bitching about yeah for bitching about the officiating and which they should have been oh it, it, absolutely that was one of the worst officiating <laughs> yeah. games I've ever seen in my yeah. life I mean there was no question I, I can't believe Texas Tech still pulled that pulled that game out because I mean that was so so bad but I don't know how you fix this problem but the NFL can fix it before college you, can. You, they're not accountable. Like no, no, they they get you get in trouble if you complain about right. it. You say a word about it or bring it up. Well, Coach Reed said after the game, I can't say yeah. anything. There's yeah. like eight times I could say something. I can't yeah. say anything. I'll get fined. So for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, there, go check it out. Texas Tech, Iowa State game, horribly officiated. The Texas Tech they wanted Iowa State in the championship, correct? Game, which they didn't yeah. get. Yeah. So Texas Tech uh, radio announcers went off on the officiating. <laughs> Rightfully um, so. I think when they when they uh, finally crossed the line, I don't think they crossed the line, but I think Big Twelve thought so. Was when they named, <laughs> went through and named all of the referees. That they get were announced in the game. before the game anyway. That's public record. Public you go record, find yeah. it out. Oh, but yeah. anyway, it's 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 a quite entertaining five minutes or so of listening to some radio announcers. If you want to go check that out, but uh, no, I, I you know I got one question for you before we we tie off on this and and i'm doing this because i got some texts about it today so it's pretty fresh in my memory i want to talk about rivalries for a second so sandstorm the song sandstorm is a big deal at k-state it actually i love it when they play it it gets everybody pumped up yeah basketball arena pumped up they do it a lot more in basketball than they do football so last night they played it at energy stadium in houston during the bowl game and so there's some people took video. So there is a part of this song where they chant FKU. Yeah. That's not what they say. I'm trying to be somewhat nice here. Um, I I got some text today. Like, are you kidding me? And, and that sort of thing. Um, does it bother you? And it's kind of a loaded question because I know oh, he does it too. But... Does it bother you when you're in a rivalry and you're not playing that team that fans or students or whoever do a chant towards a, a different team that you're a rival, Texas being yours, We're the, you're not playing Texas? I, no, because Texas does it. Texas, Texas has the same Both thing. Do. Texas yep. has an F-O-U in yes, their fight correct. song. And if you go to any Oklahoma game, we could be playing against Kansas. They're gonna horns down after they make a touchdown. Oh yeah, no matter yeah. what. I okay. mean, and the t- and OU and the Texas people, it's like like no. you said, it's and you're good with F- it. FOU. Yeah. If you're playing KU, yeah, that's why I want to beat you and, next year. Right. So, with that, I'm in the same boat. It doesn't bother me that, I mean, it doesn't. I, people are like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "I don't care." I I do it in the kitchen when I hear Sandstorm yeah. come on the radio. <laughs> like it's just habit, but. I guess my question is, why do you think 
KU fans get so butthurt about I it. I can't answer anything because, for them. I mean, I know they think they're better than everybody, and yeah. I think that that they think that K-State's not their rival, which I guess they don't have a rival anymore. Then they wouldn't the have case. one if you're not. Because Missouri, you, have, you played Missouri once in the last 10 years, yep. so you can't really call Missouri a rival anymore. You don't ever play them. So um, I, I just don't understand why they get so butthurt about it. Because if KU did that to us, if KU is playing – Oklahoma State and did a chant, FK State, whatever. Yeah. I'd love it. Like, oh, yeah. it wouldn't bother me at yeah. all. I guess I don't understand why they get so butthurt about it. I but. don't either. No, it doesn't bother so, me at all. Okay. I just, so. but, but also, at the same time, if you're from the program like Oklahoma, a lot of teams say bad stuff about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, hey, real quick, we're getting ready to sign off here. I, I did want to make a couple of shout outs real quick. Um, uh, Phil mentioned in Salina here we had the the windstorm and we had some power down for a couple of days. I won't get into Evergy's and their texts and all the stuff that was a complete joke, but um, <laughs> I, I did want to give a shout out to a couple of restaurants here locally, Blue Sky Brewery and Jim's Chicken, who both offered free meals and stuff for some of those first responders yeah. and the people that were out there. Well, so good. that that was an awesome gesture on their part. Um, if you could so go eat them, at Jim's correct. Chicken, and you, you can, can see my picture them. on the. Oh, you got a picture? Yeah, there's. They have the tables with the advertisement yep. on it. It's got my handsome face right there oh. on it. <laughs> yeah, get your food together. If you don't want to stare at <laughs> Phil while you eat all day. So, no. Uh, thanks for listening again. I apologize for the long delay. We haven't done. We haven't had to do that before. But back uh, in basketball, come up. So, yeah. I, 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 next next podcast, I'd I'd like to finish up the football season. Because I was looking at the the preseason polls, yep, and where it ended up. Um, there's some interesting uh, things on there. Is uh, Baylor one of them you want to talk about? Uh, just in general, yeah, in just general. Yeah. Some of the teams that, but we never even got into nope. basketball rankings. Nope. But I can tell nope, you, we'll we'll, we'll get into it because Big Trail. Maybe we can good. do one next week and do it a little bit yep. quicker than normal. Yep. So yeah, we'll be back here uh, maybe a week, if not a week, then two weeks uh, with the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Kevin and Philip Project Podcast. If you would like more information about our podcast, guests, and to join in on the discussion, please visit our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Kevin Phillip Project. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about us.